0: If you would join me in taking out your Bibles to Mark's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. Indeed, as we just sang, it was a prayer asking God to speak to us, and so as we turn to God's Word, let's turn to Him once again in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, would you open our blind eyes to see your glory? Would you unstop our deaf ears to hear your truth? Would you open up our closed minds to understand your ways? Would you give us a new heart to receive and embrace to rest and rely upon Christ for salvation as he's offered in the gospel. Oh, Father, may your word and spirit have their way with your people as we are gathered now in the name of Christ for you to speak to us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we are... In Mark chapter 4, we are on week number 13 of our series, Jesus according to the Bible, an exposition of the gospel of Mark. For those of you that have been with us thus far in Mark, you know Mark is action-packed. Mark uses an economy of words. He loves the word immediately. Immediately, Jesus did this. Immediately, they did that. There's this, this pace This fast pace in Mark. Well, today, we come to a place where we sort of slow down a bit. We come to one of the two major summaries of the teaching of Jesus found in Mark. Some of you that may be familiar with Matthew's gospel know that it's just full of of things like the Sermon on the Mount. um, Three chapters where uh, it's an extended time of of teaching. But here in Mark chapter 4 and again in Mark chapter 13... These are the most direct teachings of Jesus found in this gospel. And the first teaching up to bat, so to speak, is this familiar and unfamiliar parable of the sower. This parable is Jesus' longest parable, and the one parable that he himself says will be the key to understanding all of his parables. Now, when you first hear the word parable, what what comes to mind first? I mean, take a moment. When you hear parable, what what comes to mind? Uh, do you think of Aesop's fables? Do you think of some proverbial saying? A common definition of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the idea behind that is uh, to bring something that's up high down low so we can understand to bring something abstract into something that is concrete and easier to understand now to be sure of the 60 or so parables that Jesus told that we find recorded in the gospels they do in fact use physical objects think farming think fishing to teach spiritual subjects however as our text Today we'll make clear, parables are not easy to understand, but rather difficult to understand. In fact, they are impossible to understand apart from divine revelation. And so my friends, uh, we are not going to arrive either individually Or corporately at an understanding rather an understanding will arrive at our doorstep by God's grace so why are we studying Mark again remember it's the shortest gospel 16 chapters it's thought to be the earliest it's thought to be the one that Matthew and Luke use extensively In their gospel accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. Therefore, it's a a good gospel to study and to be mastered by. And as we've been saying, but it's worth repeating, with only three questions and answers in this catechism, this teaching, it's our shortest catechism. And we need to know the answers to those questions Who is Jesus? What did Jesus come to do? And how should someone respond to the person and work of Jesus? Because then and now, as we see in Mark, and we see all around us, and we even see as we look at Scripture as a mirror into our own hearts, there is widespread ignorance and confusion regarding the identity of Jesus. You see, the Old Testament we can see is Jesus predicted. The New Testament, Gospels, Jesus is revealed. He's preached in Acts. He's explained in the letters. And he's expected in Revelation. Here, Mark, one of the Gospels, is revealing Jesus to us. We believe Mark is Peter's interpreter, who's taking much of what Peter saw and experienced with Jesus and relaying it to Mark, who then compiles it in this account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And uh, Mark's got a method to his, his, his writing, it's a docudrama, it's taking video clips and still photos of Jesus in action, people's responses, it's bringing them together and arranging them for a purpose. We see that the message that Mark has for us is Jesus' message. The book is about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we read in chapter 1, verse 1. Because in his gospel, Mark presents the good news. The good news about Jesus and the good news proclaimed by Jesus. It bears in mind to continue to repeat this, that that the gospel of Mark is, is really two parts. The first part, the first eight chapters, is Who is Jesus with the focus on the person of Jesus? And then there's a hinge in the middle where two questions are asked. Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And that's a that's an easy question, right? You just look around. Well, people think he's this and he's that. But then Jesus brings another question. Who do you say that I am? And you can't look at anybody else for the answer. Jesus is asking and Peter, representing all of the disciples, says, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. And indeed, in another account of that same incident, Jesus goes on to tell Peter how he knew that. It was revealed to him. He didn't come up with it on his own. And that hinge swings the book onto its second half. It answers the question, what did Jesus come to do? The focus is on the work of Christ so Mark in these two halves of the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus is helping us ask and understand three things. Who Jesus is, what Jesus came to do, and how someone should respond. And if you ever find yourself lost, keep coming back to this. It's the big picture of Mark. And put simply, what did, who is Jesus and what did he come to do? He's the king who brings with him the kingdom of God. Of God, And we even see that on Palm Sunday as Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And he's, he's honored and, and worshipped as a coming king. Indeed he is. But as we will see, the more we go in Mark, it's a kingdom that we didn't expect. It's a kingdom that's not like the kingdoms of this world. Well, over the past two weeks... We've seen Jesus issue a warning, and last week we saw Jesus defining his family. And this week we move in to the teaching of Jesus, the teaching through parables. Well, our approach to our text this morning will be to unpack and examine what Mark includes between the parable itself and the explanation of the parable. In two weeks, that is the week after Easter, We will focus on the parable itself and its explanation. But today, for the next few minutes, we're going to focus on what is in between, which is most often seen as verses 10 through 12, but we're also going to include verses 9 and 13. And I believe that this text shows us three things. The tension, the secret, and the question. The tension of the Word of God The secret of the kingdom of God. And finally, the question for us. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 13 of Mark's gospel. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat in it. On the sea, And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them in many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? First, let's take a look at the tension in the word of God. Look with me at verse 9. And Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus has just finished this parable of the sower, the four soils he's described. And he finishes up by saying, and he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Well, this isn't the only place you'll find in scripture, but this is certainly a place where you see God's sovereignty and man's responsibility side by side. This parable is the, is the story behind the story. It's the answer to the question, why do some people receive Jesus while other people reject Jesus? I mean, haven't we seen that thus far in Mark? We've seen... Jesus call and people come. We've seen crowds come and they recognize Jesus and they respond to him and as it were, they receive him and they are on the inside and they're sitting at his feet. And yet there are others, whether it be the religious leaders who, who want to destroy Jesus, whether it's the religious leaders who... Who, um, who accuse Jesus of doing what he's doing by the work of Satan. They are rejecting Jesus, and indeed his own physical family we've seen before, standing on the outside, not understanding, thinking that he's mad, and others thinking that he's bad, thinking that he's crazy, and others thinking that he's evil. But why do we have both of those kind of people already in Mark? What we see in this verse, and we see in all of Scripture, is God determines and man chooses. Both are present. Both are true. If you haven't already done this after the service, look at the quote from Charles Spurgeon. I mean, God's sovereignty taught in Scripture, man's responsibility taught in Scripture. Where do those come together? They come together in eternity at the throne of God in the mind of God. One day I believe it will be clear. We're looking through a mirror dimly now. One day it will be clear, but why do we believe this? How can I say this? Are you ready for this? We believe it because we read it in the Bible. We believe it because we read it. My friends, if you are... If you have a heart to, to reach people with the gospel. If you want your family member, your neighbor, your coworker um, to come to faith. And I hope that is a heart's cry for all of us. Encourage them just to start reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. God does His work through His Word and by His Spirit. Well... Again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Are we talking physical ears? Of course not. We're talking spiritual hearing, spiritual discernment. He who has ears to hear, well, where are people going to get ears to hear? Where, how? We'll talk about that in a moment. But look at the command, let him hear. You've heard me Say this before, right? God gives us faith, but we do the believing. God opens our eyes, but we do the seeing. God opens our ears, but we do the hearing. This is not an isolated case. Look at Philippians 2, 12 through 13. (coughs) Paul writes, (coughs) Therefore, my beloved, (coughs) excuse me, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do you see it? Most people know it as work out what God works in. God's sovereign man is responsible. How about Hebrews chapter 6? Verses 1 through 3, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. In other words, discipleship, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. But verse 3 ends, and this we do if God permits. Our responsibility, God's determination, God's sovereignty. Do you like it? Does it make you comfortable, uncomfortable? It's in Scripture. How about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith, right? Yeah, we are called to exercise faith. We are called to trust, to believe. And, but what does it say? And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. It's a gift. And then we use the gift. You know, there's a great Old Testament example. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? Well, in Exodus 7, 9, 10, 11, and 14, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Whoa, game over, right? Well, how about this? We also read in Exodus 8, 9, and 13 that what? Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So which is it? How about Peter's speech on Pentecost Day? How about this as we approach the events of Maundy Thursday, Good Friday? How about this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, timid, weak. I'm going to deny Jesus when asked by a 12-year-old girl. This Peter, post-resurrection... The Holy Spirit is upon them. It says this. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Who crucified Jesus? The Father. But he goes on. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. There it is. God's sovereignty. Man's responsibility. Look with me again. God's sovereign. He who has ears to hear. God is absolutely sovereign. He is in control. He rules. He gives life. He... Hey kids, did you choose to be born? No, you were just born, right? Right. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. He who has ears to hear, God's sovereignty. Here's man's responsibility. Let him hear. And this is a phrase that will occur throughout Mark. He who has ears to hear, then use them. Let them hear. My friends, in this one verse is a tension. And I hope you feel the tension. The tension is real. And the tension is good. Don't be afraid of the tension. Accept and embrace the attention. You know this is one apologetic for the reliability of the scriptures. We can't make this up. We wouldn't make this up. How many of you all want a really clean and neat and orderly life? Anybody want it? Yeah, I do. How many of you all want a clean and neat and orderly religion? Faith, We all do, right? And that's why the, the religion of works is, so, is so, uh, so inviting, isn't it? Because we outfit it, don't we? With what we do. But it's not the faith as revealed once for all to the saints. It's not the faith of the scriptures. If I was making this up, I would not include verse 9. I would have it one way or the other. But not both, but here it is. He who has ears, let him hear. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to explore what it is we're to hear as we explore the parable itself. But now we get to go into a closed door meeting with Jesus and his disciples. You want to be a fly on the wall, you want to be a surveillance camera in the corner. Of the room which everywhere has it now. Have you all noticed? You cannot eat in a fast food restaurant without being looked at from several directions. Here we have the privilege of going behind closed doors as it were. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And Jesus said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Well, what do we mean, first of all, when we say the secret? Because now we're looking at the secret of the kingdom of God. It's a secret. It's a mystery. As we said earlier, it's something that was once hidden, but it's now revealed. It's not a secret that we have to figure out, but rather it's a mystery that now has been unveiled and made known to us. It's not like, our, 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 our childhood, when our, in our childhood, hey, I've got a secret, guess what? And you try to figure it out. No, it's not that kind of a secret. It's a mystery that's now been revealed. What do we mean by the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God? You know, again, God is sovereign. He is in control. The world was created good and perfect, but what did the world do? Rebelled. Rebelled, fell into sin, and God has always been, is now and forever, will be in control. But now part of His in control, part of His ruling and reigning is rescuing rebels and bringing them under His, his clear rule and reign into His kingdom. The secret of the kingdom of God is concealed to those on the outside. Look at verse 11b into 12 and think back to Isaiah 6. But for those outside, everything is in parable so that they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven." This is what Jesus is saying, and this is what Isaiah said. We all love Isaiah's experience, that vision he has of God's holiness. We love it. But then, and we love the fact that Isaiah hears the call and says, yes, send me. But then he gets the kind of details of the call. People aren't going to listen. They aren't going to understand. They aren't going to see. They aren't going to perceive. They're going to be dull and hard-hearted. The secret is concealed to those on the outside. And think with me about what Mark has been doing thus far. Those on the inside and those on the outside. But the secret is revealed to those on the inside... Look with me again at verse 11. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. It does not say to you because of your great effort, because of your ingenuity and skill and ability and background and family history, to you, I'm pleased to give you, or I'm pleased for you to obtain the secret. Let's read it for what it says. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Well, for those of you that have been listening, you might be saying, okay, I've heard the definition of a secret. I've heard kind of a brief explanation of the kingdom of God. And I've heard it's concealed to those on the outside, but revealed to those on the inside. What's the secret of the kingdom? The secret of the kingdom of God. The secret of the kingdom of God. The secret of the kingdom of God is Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the king. What does Jesus do? He brings with him the kingdom of God. Jesus brings with him a kingdom, but as we will see in Mark, it is a kingdom that is upside down to the ways of the world. And we see that no clearly, no more clearly than in Mark chapter 10 verse 45 when we looked at it a number of weeks ago. Under Jesus, our servant, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. To you has been given Jesus. We talked about this in class a, a little bit ago, This earlier this morning. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Everything is new. A new life, a new reality, a, 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 a new way of living, a new way of being, a new way of thinking. Everything is new. In fact, that passage really says... If anyone is in Christ, new creation. It's not just you being renewed from the inside out by being given a new heart, but it's almost like you're given new glasses to see the world as it really and truly is. It's like Asaph, the psalmist in Psalm 73, he looks around and he sees the wicked prospering and the righteous suffering. And then what happens? He goes into the sanctuary and he discerns their final end. And he looks around and says, no, you know what? It's the righteous who are blessed and the wicked who are cursed. He's got the lenses on, the corrective lenses It's all about Jesus, in other words, coming to faith in Him and growing in faith in Him. Well, after making a statement to His disciples, Jesus asked them a question. Then, and He asked us a question now. So finally, the question for us, verse 13. And He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Remember, we highlighted it earlier. The two questions in the middle of chapter 8. Who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That concerns the identity of the king, King Jesus. And here the question concerns our understanding of the identity of the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? Because this is a parable, and all of the parables we will see in chapter 4 is about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. And it's a parable, as we will see also, about the word of God. Because the progress of the kingdom of God is the progress of the word of God. The progress of the... God's word is carried on we will see in the face of much failure yet the progress of the kingdom of God is assured by the power of the word and the presence and the purpose of the king Now this passage that we've just looked at for the past few minutes it is a difficult one At best there's confusion At worst, there's indication, indignation. Well, to end, I want us to turn to what may be a more familiar passage, and that being John 3. The prelude, as it were, to John 3.16. In John 3, you recall, Jesus is meeting with a... Pharisee named Nicodemus one of the Jewish rulers and he comes to Jesus by night and he's flattering Jesus because he says this Rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him I don't know about you but if somebody said that to me I, that made me feel pretty good notice Jesus does not Respond like we would. What does he say in verse 3? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't even enter the kingdom of God. You can't even see the kingdom of God. And that's why... Those of you that have come to faith in Christ and you're coming from an unbelieving family, your family may think you're crazy. They may think you're wasting your life. It's going to die down soon. My friends, when you see Jesus for who he is, he is absolutely irresistible. You don't walk to him. When he says come to me, all you don't walk. You run. Because he's, despite your corrupted, sinful, fallen, messed up affections. He's the one you really want and need. So let's conclude by reminding ourselves of two things that only believers, only those who have been brought on the inside from the outside can see. That is, can see with spiritual eyes and spiritual understanding. First of all, none of us deserves to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. None of us deserves to be on the inside. If anything, we all deserve to be excluded, to stay on the outside. no one as it were is a is a is a i mean you are but yeah you're born as a citizen you're born again as a citizen of the kingdom so none of us deserves to be a citizen of this kingdom secondly seeing this kingdom seeing the kingdom of god and thus being a citizen of the kingdom is a matter of grace and grace only from beginning to end because what does verse 11 say to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God let's pray almighty God our heavenly father indeed your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are Or higher than our ways. And we confess, Father, that at best we are confused. At worst we are downright furious with words like these. But, oh, Father, I pray that you would give us all clear vision to see. Remove the cataracts of our sin to see Jesus, as he's made known in the gospel, and give us ears to hear the call to repent and to believe. Oh, Father, would you enable your people gathered here to be men and women and boys and girls who are increasingly confident, but also increasingly humble. At the same time and Father that can only be done by the working of your Holy Spirit. So may you be pleased to work in and through your people gathered here so that indeed through this church the kingdom of God will advance as rebels to your grace and glory would be rescued and brought in and be able to live as subjects of the king but also as children of the heavenly father for we pray in Christ's name amen jesus indeed everlasting